0: If you lost out on six or seven leases, don't blame it on the fact that the rental market is stupid hot or whatever. Something is wrong there. Either your paperwork, your credit, your job, you, or your realtor. Something's wrong. All right. Hello. Welcome to episode 141 of KT Confidential, the real estate podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Ariel Cremendi. He's Adrian Trott. Today, we're talking about bidding wars in leases. Very competitive market. Leases. Multiple
1: it has been for offers. a very long time.
0: Multiple offers and bidding wars in leases. Uh, there's been a few articles published. There's been lots of noise in the real estate industry about leasing. And about how competitive the market has been and continues to be. So that's what we're talking about today. If you're thinking about leasing a home, or if you're in a current lease and might have to move, or if you're thinking of investing in a property, you might want to listen on. Listen. You in, know what I find interesting on, sometimes whatever. I'll
1: see in, uh, especially local Facebook pages. So for us. We live in Milton. There's Milton Talks. It's a large group. I don't know how many people are on there. Into the tens of thousands, I think. Um, But occasionally, you'll see posts in there about real estate-related stuff. And it's not uncommon where I'll see a post saying, looking for a rental, you know, two, three-bedroom house, not interested in speaking with real estate agents. And I never... I mean, people must have this crazy perception of what realtors are or they've had a terrible experience because when you're renting, especially, and this is referring specific to post talking about renting, it's advantageous to have somebody that knows what they're doing on your side. If you can find somebody. Well, that's the other challenges. A lot I of realtors that, won't step up to the plate to help with these smaller tasks.
0: I think that's the challenge. And I think I don't know. I don't know what the public perception is in terms of how a realtor gets compensated uh, in a lease. I mean, let's face it, if you're a realtor and you're a top producing realtor, um, or let me backtrack, it's hard to find a top producing realtor to help you find a lease if you don't already have a pre-existing relationship with that realtor. So, if you're new to the market, you're looking for help, it's it's tough. Realtors lose money on leases. That's at the end of the day, yes, a realtor will make a commission, but factoring in expenses and franchise fees and Gas, um, even time aside, if you don't factor in your time, realtors lose money on leases, and they're a pain in the butt. It's a lot of paperwork.
1: Well, depending um, on the client, it can be extremely challenging.
0: Sure, and depending on you know what the landlord's needs are in terms of contractual obligations. So you know, and you've got your agreement to lease. Plus now you have the Ontario standard lease. You've got any schedules that are attached to it. Um, you have to confirm all the utilities have been transferred. That there's insurance on the property. So th- there's actually a lot of steps that are involved from a realtor perspective. You know, so I don't know what the pub- again the public perception might be. They don't want to bother a realtor with that kind of work, or. They don't want to pay to have somebody help or they think they can strike a better deal. Right. If there's no realtor involved, they think, well, the landlord will save one month rent and in commission or whatever the commission is. And, um, you know, I can, I can strike a better deal, but it's been, I mean, we see it time and time again. It's if, if you are just an individual approaching that landlord it's really tough to, to put a deal together without a realtor it's, it's absolutely tough. and and as a landlord you know unless you have a dozen properties and you've been through the, that quote-unquote rodeo many many times and even then maybe you don't know but the ins and outs right now of properly protecting all parties
1: and making sure you're getting a good tenant I think that's the biggest part of it because I mean, the Residential Tenancy Act supersedes the vast majority of things in offers. So, from being a being like being protected perspective, tenants are covered there, not so much landlords. Ontario favors tenants. And that's why it's even more important from a landlord perspective to have, if they're not, if they don't have proper representation, to really know what they're doing and to. like you, for some reason, or maybe you're just more thorough and catch more of them, but you seem to catch a lot of fraudulent applications, um, yeah. and I had one recent
0: I had one recently that I shared with the team, yeah, where the Equifax report was so blatantly um doctored doc, doc, doctored yeah, that's right, a, um that I mean every single person on the team picked up that it was a fake, but every single person picked up something different. Right. Like Steve Brooman pointed out a few things to me that, I mean, I didn't look at it very closely because once I realized that it was a fake, that it was a forgery that, um, you know, I just, thanks, but no thanks, but everybody picked up something and pretty much on all pages of that report, there was something that was forged, something that was altered. And a lot of people don't recognize it's, it's super easy to go out into the marketplace online and have
1: fake documents. um, Well, I know someone personally who, whose real estate agent handled all that for her. She paid, I don't know how much she paid. I think it was like 500 bucks or something like that. And her real estate agent, prepared all of the fake documents or had somebody do it for her. I like guess it's, wow. it's unbelievable. And, and
0: you, wonder, well, you wonder why people have uh negative connotation associated with realtors. <laughs> it was like yeah. the guy on, uh, was it on TikTok that commented to, on one of your TikToks? By the way, if you don't follow us on TikTok, we're, uh, we're really pumping out some good stuff on there. Thanks to Adrian and Ian primarily. Um, so it's at Remendi Trot on TikTok as well um, I think he said and you commented too you, you replied with a, with a post but the comment was realtors are as sleazy as oh, car cars. salesmen yeah, I love that
1: comment Yeah, specifically and, for those listening because Ariel and I are both ex-car salesmen previous, yeah. in our previous career among other positions in the industry but it hit home And I thought it was funny.
0: Well, and obviously, the two of us were probably two of the most professional car salespeople you'll ever meet. Uh, Questionable. But
1: But it's interesting because the thing that I'm I'm very receptive of with all those comments is there's a lot of people that do not like real estate agents. There's a lot of people that don't like car salesmen either.
0: Yeah, so well, it's interesting hate, to see that. You, you in the last oh, 11 yeah.
1: years of being out of the business, you absolutely hate shopping for a car now. Oh, right? Well, for me, yeah, it's not... It wouldn't boil down to the same context of being sleazy as much as it is just a lack of professionalism and just uselessness. Like nobody follows up, nobody knows their product. It's very different. But yeah, it's an industry that I've not yet found somebody that I... And particularly fond of,
0: but if if you want to peg any industry or profession as being sleazy, um, you know, generally speaking, car salesmen are are ranked right up there in terms of sleaziness or being disrespected by. Consumers in general, whatever. I think
1: on the grand macro scale, it's salesmen, salespeople, saleswomen, salesmen, whatever.
0: But let me just say this. You're trying to tell me there aren't any shady lawyers? You're trying (laughs) to tell me there aren't
1: any shady plumbers? Well, actually, I I see those posts like, all the day, all the time. Yeah. I can't remember how many contractors show Start
0: a job, collect the money, and then don't show up to finish the job. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. There's they exist everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. There's lots of scrupulous activity in any business. Well, the nice thing now, enough. Even in like, like restaurants, you know, I've heard yeah. of uh stories in in restaurants um you know reserving leftover food and you know
1: like well come just go how far I mean, do you want to if people had the opportunity to go in the kitchen 90% of the places they eat at they probably wouldn't eat at. I remember when I was helping someone buy a restaurant and it was absolutely disgusting. Yep. So yeah, that and I've, I've worked
0: in a lot of restaurants where you Absolutely notice the difference between working in a top-notch, well-cared-for restaurant versus, you know, one that's quote-unquote shady or slimy, as that TikTok
1: follower put it. Yeah, but the uh, nice thing now is you can, I think it was more of an issue before, and I think it's still, I don't think people have really adapted to doing this, but... um I do this and Gary Vee talked about it the other day is when he's picking a professional to hire, to perform a particular service, he goes to social. And I think that's really, I mean, that's something that never existed before, but now it gives you like insight into exactly who that person is, what type yeah. of business they're running. Are they reputable? You can avoid a lot of those problems by doing your searches that way. Well, those are real-time live reviews, right? Like even reviews,
0: man, you go on to Fiverr as an example. And if you're just, let's say you're a plumber, and I don't know why I'm picking on plumbers, choose whatever, a painter or whatever. And you're just starting your business. You take a hundred bucks, you hop onto Fiverr. You'll get a nice looking website and you'll get, as many people as you want, leaving you Facebook and Google reviews, five-star
1: reviews, and you're paying them five to 10 bucks to do it. Remember there was a real estate brokerage. I think it was Comfree before they became, before they got bought. Don't I say would, names. Don't say names. They don't exist anymore.
0: Um, <laughs> and they, they
1: were. I don't caught. want to
0: pay any more fines. They, take it's a more new article. they
1: were caught for uh, persuading their, their employees, paying their employees to leave good reviews. So, you
0: know, that actually drives me nuts that we we film this podcast every week. We're one hundred and forty one episodes in. And I truly feel like i and I'm sure you feel that way, too. I truly feel like I can't speak my mind at one hundred percent. Like I'm always at. Seventy percent and holding back thirty percent, and it's that thirty percent that everybody wants to hear, but I I can't say it because my license and the code of ethics uh, depends on it. I think we. I think I don't know. I think we just. I think. I think maybe down that barrier and see what happens. I think episode one forty two. I we should talk about the client that didn't hire us because we were swearing in one of our podcasts.
1: Yes. People All like right. that juicy
0: gossip stuff. Anyways, I mean, we're we're talking here about a whole bunch of stuff. When the whole when the topic is multiple offers, bidding wars on leases, it's happening through the GTA. Not so much on condos. Condos are the exception right now. It's more single family homes, townhomes, semi-detached homes, and fully detached homes. There's a huge lack of supply right now for those types of homes. And when they come on the market and they look good and they're priced right, they're getting tons of interest and multiple offers. And a couple of articles over the last few weeks talking about People losing out on four or five six different properties and going up against four or five six different offers
1: craziness gotta yeah, be frustrating gotta be frustrating for it's the... harder to rent than it is to buy, yep because you truly it's not it's no longer just about the the amount like you could offer a few hundred dollars over the the listed rent price it really doesn't hold a whole lot of value in the grand scheme of whether or not you get the list, the, the, the property, because there's much more that goes into it because the landlord wants to do their due diligence and make sure they're getting a quality person that will actually pay that money and take care of their investment. So money is one part, but it's not the be all end all. So the first question would be, why is this happening? Well, you, you said it, lack of inventory. As specifically, with um, anything but condos. Although even condos are competitive at times. It was interesting. I read an article recently in the Canadian Real Estate Magazine about in Brampton. They're building their first purpose-built rental, which is um, I think it's something like a 20-story building. And there's also some stacked townhouses on the at the, the same vicinity. And it's the first purpose-built structure in Brampton in 17 years. Wow. like nobody's building rentals like per, rent purpose built rentals and in ontario i think that's predominantly because the rent you know it's it's a tough industry because all the laws favor tenants and some a lot of people are scared of it
0: so i think what's going to happen is There's actually going to be even more demand for rental properties as this year progresses and into next year. Why? There's a lot of people that, first of all, can't afford the prices of homes in the GTA and need to stay in the GTA. So as an example, if you live in Mississauga or want to live in Mississauga, and you work in Mississauga, you might not want to move to Guelph as an example, Uh, or you can't afford the $1.4 million average price in the neighborhood for a detached home, or don't want to afford the $1.4 million detached home in the neighborhood.
1: Or bought Uh, it this year and realize you can't afford it. So you need to now sell it and rent. Yeah, that happens too. But what's,
0: you know, my projection is now we're kind of in a state of this pandemic where things, you know, normal is on the horizon. But it's not going to change how businesses, most businesses, a lot of businesses operate. I think a lot of businesses are still going to be the work from home. You know, you got that flexibility now. We're doing lots of virtual stuff. You see a lot of places close their retail locations or their office space or they're downsizing. So, you know, they had a 5,000 square foot office. Now they're in a 1,200 square foot office. I think we're going to see a lot of that. So I think people are going to continue to work. A lot of people are going to continue to work from home, uh, which is going to create the need of potentially the need of more space at home. And that usually means a bigger, bigger property. And you can't afford it or don't want to afford it. You rent. So, and, and then additionally, you're going to have lots of immigration right? Like the borders opening up again, travel. I
1: imagine, I imagine there's a huge backlog of people anxiously waiting.
0: Well, and I think there's now after the pandemic, certainly now, you know, Canada leads for um, vaccinations, uh, first vaccination um, globally, and probably won't be far behind for having people that are fully vaccinated. So when you're in certain countries and you see, Hey, my country's only had 4% of the population fully vaccinated and Canada's at 70% and it's a beautiful country and healthcare and great real estate, easy to find a job or easier to find a job, blah, 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 blah. There's going to be a, even a greater demand for moving to this country. And We need the tax money, need to recover all of that money that the government spent over the last two years. So you don't think that they're going to open the doors and the floodgates are going to open up for people moving to Canada?
1: Specifically with people like that too, like it's even more competitive for them to rent. And we had Mm -hmm. an inquiry recently about, I can't remember which property it was, but somebody inquired recently and they said... They were moving from the U.S. to Canada, and they were moving on the 15th of July. So at that point, it I got was a maybe... request this morning. I got a request this morning. I sent it over
0: to Steve Cicchetto to follow up on it uh, on one of our properties in Oakville. Mm-hmm. Uh, $4,400 a month lease. And they are moving here from Barbados and need a place for the end of the month.
1: See, so people like that. Like, why so on earth days, are they... I mean, these people, maybe they don't know because they they're they not from here. They don't know the market, but they need somebody working for them. Yep. They're going to waste a lot of time. For sure.
0: And if they don't have the proper documents and can't convince a landlord, and you see, that's how multiple offers actually are happening right now in the lease world, is that you are getting people relocating or uh, immigrating um, into the area. And... And they're putting offers until they get a place, right? Like they're they're now in a position where they just need a home. So it doesn't even have to meet all of their criteria. They just need to get a place by their deadline. And they're just throwing offers in. So as soon as you get those people throwing offers in, now you've got two or three of those kind of offers. And then yeah. you've got people that are generally in the market for that type of home. And they like it, and it's a new listing, and blah, blah, blah. So they throw their offer in, and now you're at four or five offers. And the listing agent will go back to those offers and say, okay, well, we got your application. We got all your documentation. You're up against three or four other offers for this place. Do you want to improve your offer to make it a little bit nicer? Right? That's what's happening. So now you're seeing a place that, should have rented for 3000 bucks a month
1: going for 31, 32, 35. Oh, this has been going on for a long time. When we rented our townhouse at the first time that was, which was two years ago, yeah. something Same like that. Thing. It was in competition then it's been a long time. So there was one we rented out in Oakville recently and they were moving in from a different province from Alberta and they went about it the right way. They I don't know how they connected with this particular agent, but they they were working with an, a realtor that is a, coincidentally also works in our brokerage, um, and he did a great job for them. From the perspective of finding them properties, he would go walk through virtually with them and do like a FaceTime call or something like that, and then he submitted all their documents and he submitted you know a nice application with all the appropriate supporting documents and he got the deal. Um, if they were just calling around randomly. And having to sell their story to all the listing agents, it would just be monotonous and probably not come together nearly as quick. So if you're a landlord or a a tenant,
0: or if you're a realtor, here's our advice. Here's my advice. You need to have a rental application. That's a standard form with the Ontario Real Estate Association. And fill it out completely. Don't leave any blanks and don't and correctly, lie correctly. Yeah, don't Yeah. Fill it out correctly. You know, don't lie. Put it all in there. Don't hide anything because as, as a landlord or as a landlord representative, we can smell when something is fishy. So fill it out completely. Fill it out accurately. That's number one, rental application. Number two, Equifax report. With score. Go on to Equifax.ca, pay the 26 bucks, download the Equifax report with score, and save it as a PDF on your desktop. It can't be outdated. So if today is July 26th and the report is from May the 2nd, you probably want to spend that 26 bucks again and get a new report. Who knows? Know but
1: I'd be okay with that. A couple, a couple months, two three a... months.
0: Okay, maybe I'm being a little bit picky. But let's say the reports from February. Is that better?
1: I'd I'd still be somewhat okay I, with it. I wouldn't.
0: But... I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I don't know if you went out and you bought a twelve hundred dollar a month Mercedes Benz. Um, you know, so there there's things to consider there. Anyways. Thanks for ruining my, my <laughs> shtick here. Um, so it makes this so Number fun. two, have
1: a proper Equifax report. Uh, don't play around can with we, that. Report. Can we clarify there too? Because there are a lot of options out there. That's And true. I find Equifax. There's TransUnion. And there's a lot of these new pop-up companies. Pop up, Yeah, Credit Karma, all these companies. Um I find Equifax is the most detailed report for like unquestionably. But it's detailed. It's easy to
0: read. Yes. Most of the lenders report to Equifax. The two, I mean, the two biggest credit reporting agencies in the country are TransUnion and Equifax, right? So
1: um, everything is going to get reported to one or the other or both. And do not take screenshots with your phone. I hate when people do that. They pull up the they just take like 10 screenshots of the report on their phone and send all these images. It's terrible.
0: Yeah, no, it's really easy to download the report and you save it as a PDF. And it's one file. Not separate pages, not screenshots, not photos. Download the damn PDF. If you don't know how to do it, call Equifax or You know, reach out to your realtor. Your realtor probably knows how to do it, hopefully. Um, But figure it out. Get the PDF in one document. Um, So that's number two. A credit report with score. Properly saved. No forgery, obviously. Uh, Number three, most recent pay stubs. Right? You want to have a look. As a landlord or the landlord's representative, you want to have a look at the most recent pay stubs, not only to, you know, verify employment—that's a form of verification, one of the few ways you can do it, or sh- one of the few ways that you should be using—but um, also to verify their income that they reported on that rental application.
1: So if they and said cur- they because make- that they're currently employed. Correct. Yeah. I mean, they could have just got fired yesterday, but you know, if you've got a pay stub from last week, it's a bit reassuring that their story is accurate and they're currently working. Well, and
0: how many times we've seen a rental application where somebody will say, "I make a hundred thousand dollars a year." We get the most recent pay stub. It's halfway through the year, and they've made thirty-five thousand. Right.
1: Well, and there are cases where people they've made may... 50,
0: they've made fifty thousand, but twenty thousand of it is in bonuses and commission that isn't guaranteed well that's
1: different though like we're not a bank so we don't have as strict rules and requirements as a bank would so i think from that perspective like a bank won't take some sort of income into consideration or they'll use like a percentage of it or you know an average of the previous couple of years you're right i think but it's all information yeah it's all information right
0: and, so if, if, and,
1: if your pay is structured a lot like that, and you may not see a chunk of it until the end of the year, you should provide something from the previous year, like a T4 NOA, notice yep. of assessment to show how it's broken down.
0: Well, and don't hide anything like provide an explanation. Yeah. Right. So if, if you are serious, if you're a tenant and you're serious about getting the place and you've got all the paperwork together and you know, you're a good tenant, you might want to write a little love story, a little love letter to the landlord that says why you would make a good tenant. And in there, just put an explanation, say, hey, um, just as a heads up, my income has been consistent for whatever X amount of time. And in that income, it does include bonuses, which I'm expecting to get. So it doesn't show here in um, in my pay stub. To go along with that, So that's number three, most recent pay stubs, um, and provide two of them. So the back-to-back, last two pay stubs, a job letter. So if you're out hunting for a lease, you know you're going to have to rent a property, get a job letter as soon as possible. It usually takes a few days for the human resources department or whoever's responsible for doing that. usually takes them a bit to uh, put that together for you. Get a job letter. Make sure it's on company letterhead. Make sure it states how long you've been employed there, what your position is, and how much you make, which is a standard job letter. But sometimes we get these ones from these small companies where, especially when it comes to contractors, we see that a lot where there is no company letterhead and it's from Joe, owner
1: of XYZ Electrical. And it says, uh, I mean, we're. Some people do work for companies like that too. you'd right. like, I know people like where they're, you know, if you ask for an invoice, <laughs> you're not getting an invoice. Like it's just going to be handwritten on a piece of paper. But they're reputable. One of those sales receipt things from the dollar yeah. store. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah um, exactly. Yeah,
0: I'm not saying that, you know, that's not going to be accepted or what have you. But again, crossing the T's and dotting the I's as much as you can. On the, and, on the note and, of and your and letter. And this is, this is for realtors as well. Like I'm giving advice here to everybody and there's a bunch of realtors that listen and they got to take note because the better job that realtors do in general when it comes to leases, the less perception of that sleaziness or whatever or and the people that are shopping on their own that really need help that should get proper help uh, you know, maybe they get a little bit more confident if we can do a better job as an industry in that in that a facet, in in that... Well, and when, when an
1: offer is being presented on your behalf as a tenant by an agent who is presenting themselves very professionally, it is res- much better received than somebody who is difficult to deal with, who makes errors in the, the documentation. Uh, that raises red flags versus... A good experience and uh, an immediate immediately establishing confidence from the, the the agent representing the landlord. And when you do that, the agent representing the landlord will convey to the landlord, "Hey, this person's been good to deal with so far. They seem to know what they're talking about. They seem to know their client very well. They seem very confident that they'd be a good fit." Which is very different than me saying to a landlord, "Yeah, I had trouble getting a hold of them. They were missing some paperwork. I'm still trying to get it." right? Like immediately it changes your perception of somebody and the landlord may not even at that point, they may have already made a decision. So even if a day or two later, the correct documents come in and and corrections have been made, they've already lost. But I wanted to ask ask you your opinion. You mentioned writing a letter, which I'm a big advocate of too, and even sending a nice family photo or something or a personal photo, whatever. Um, I think that can go a long way. But I, I, one time I had a good client, uh, a gay couple, a couple of guys. And I asked them to write a letter and they were hesitant to, because they thought it could have the opposite effect. And I hadn't ever really thought of that. Um, Because they're gay? Because they're gay. Yeah. And I suppose in some cases it could, but I mean, maybe I'm naive. I think, you know, I, I think that, you know, we're talking about a very small percentage, but people do have that concern
0: yeah of being and,
1: profiled, or you know for racial purposes or whatever well um, i I saw on Facebook, and I think I mentioned
0: it to you because it pissed me off because now Facebook changed their ad policies where we cannot discriminate essentially in advertising uh, well, and specifically I'll, I'll, I'll elaborate on that just so there's no. Misconception here. If we're advertising a property, um, we cannot, we used to be able to target certain demographics. So, as an example, if we wanted to place an ad for that property that's for sale and target females only from the age of 25 to 35 uh, that live in postal code L9T1 and 4, we could do that. Now you cannot. It has to be a very generic ad uh, to, a, to be advertised to everybody. Well, so to specifically so some of our ads yeah. are going out to 17-year-olds or 18-year-olds. 18-year-olds,
1: yeah. yeah. It's ridiculous. 18-year-olds
0: uh, for $3 million property, right? Right. Not to say that there aren't any 18-year-olds that can afford a $3 million property, no. especially with TikTok and YouTube these days. But uh, come on, really? But so generally anyways, speaking saw, you
1: can you can get a a general idea for who the likely demographic is going to be
0: buying. right you know if a you know a family of 4 in their mid 30s is not going to be interested in their that home or if it, maybe it's a retired couple that's interested in the home right anyways so i saw this ad in one of the groups that i belong to and the ad was published by the landlord so the owner that owns the home Put an ad together, had some photos, some shit-ass photos, and put a post on this Facebook group. And it said, single people only. That's the first thing it said. So no couples, uh, no pets. No pets, single people only. I'm like, okay, well, that. Not exactly.
1: um, Doesn't abide by their advertising guidelines, but they're technically not buying an ad. Uh, You mentioned one of the popular Facebook
0: groups. In uh, another popular Facebook group locally, uh, there was a post about, I want to say a year ago, And right in the advertisement of the property, there's a property for rent. It says, prefer no Asians. Really? Prefer no Asians. Oh, my gosh. And I'm telling you, off the record, but on the record. I'm sure it's record. But off the record right? Just between me and you. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure it's happened to you as well, where you have a certain ethnicity, certain ethnic person, and maybe they don't tell you specifically, or maybe they do both have happened to me where the landlord did not accept the offer because of the racial profiling that happened.
1: I've had landlords I've had landlords mention things along those lines. I don't know if it was definitive in making their decision, but definitely it's something that people take into consideration. And
0: you know, it's really sad. It's, uh, I feel bad for a lot of new immigrants, you know um, coming into this country. We, we try and, you know, Canada is a very diverse population, extremely diverse. I think it's probably the most diverse population in the world. I, I don't have any stats to back that up or I'm just pulling that one out of my ass, but I'm just going to guess. And if you think about, People coming to this beautiful country for the first time and trying to find a home. And some of these people came from their home country as very professional people, doctors, lawyers. um,
1: I had one client. I I
0: was just going to say, I had one client. He was an engineer. Uh, Actually both him and his wife were engineers. And very clean, very polite, beautiful family. And we had an extremely difficult time finding them a property because they were new immigrants, uh, because of their ethnicity. Um, and and it's a shame. But if, again, going back to those documents, uh, rental application, Job letter, most recent pay stub, credit report with score—that's where it all starts. Get those together. Make sure they're looking good. Uh, but fact of the matter is, rental market is hot. Lots of multiple offers. Um, it's not going to stop. It's not going to slow down. If you're thinking of investing and putting your money into somewhere where it can be safe long term. An opportunity right now, super super opportunity. Like if you can afford to buy a townhouse, a semi-detached, or a smaller detached home, and put it on the rental market, you you'll
1: be doing okay. Can you hear that herd of elephants? No, is that your family above you? Yeah, they just came running downstairs. Oh, do they? Yeah. Do they, they want to be on the podcast? I don't imagine so, but I also don't think they know we're doing the podcast. But that's quite all right. Um, so do you, my, do you, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say my advice in general on the topic of the competitive competitiveness of the rental market is you definitely need somebody good working on your side. I think there's something to be said about also working with, um, I don't know if I would say a team necessarily, but an example would be there was. Um, a tenant that I knew that uh, didn't have the easiest recent history and had financial difficulties, but they were working through them and they were, you know, I, after lengthy conversations with them, I was very comfortable with them as tenants. I didn't, I would have not, after getting to know them, I wouldn't have hesitated to have them in one of my own properties. Um, and We on, they ended up working with us at the time I had, I introduced this person to one of our team members to who was taking care of everything. And we had a property coming up within the team and it was a good fit. So before it even went to market, uh, they, we were they were introduced to the landlords. Landlords were very happy with them. They, we sold them on these people and it worked out. We got them into a place. Um, so I think when you're working with people and you really get to know them, uh kind of like more on like an intimate level, then you have that human connection versus if you're just calling all these agents that have listings up, they're just gonna look at the numbers and facts they're not gonna give you that opportunity, so you need to build a relationship with somebody um and The other things too is i I think don't be naive like if if your credit's just terrible, stop trying to find all these nice fancy houses. You got to start somewhere. The purpose built rental buildings, you know, those are probably easier to get into than somebody's primary residence, where it's their retirement fund. And they're going to be really picky about who's moving in.
0: What's your, aside from having all of the, because again, going back to the actual topic of this conversation, bidding wars on leases, um, if you were representing somebody right now, And you knew the home that they're interested in is going to be really desirable. Besides from having, and and you knew that it was going to get into a potential bidding war, quote unquote, besides from having the proper documents that we talked about, those four documents and having having it all ready to go, do you have any other advice and tips for people that are
1: potentially going to be in that situation? Um, I think depending on your, I think you really need to think seriously about your qualifications and how you, you as a tenant are being perceived, uh, by potential landlords and, you know, things that might help to sell your case to somebody would be being open to making more than one payment up front. Uh, I know people that'll pay the whole year up front just to give peace of mind, um, there was a TikTok Which, By I saw. the way,
0: I'm going to comment on that just mm-hmm. real quick before you continue on with the, this, this tips, and then we're going to wrap it up in a couple of minutes here. Episode 141 of KT Confidential, the real estate podcast. Make sure you like and subscribe uh, and leave comments. We usually pick our topics from your comments. Um, if you pay the whole year up front, now I'm putting my landlord hat on, that's great. That's super. $2,500 a month you give me 30 grand up front. Awesome. I got 30 grand. I've guaranteed my rent for the next 12 months. What's the say you're going to pay in month 13, 14, 15, 16, et
1: cetera? Well, that's right? 100%. So that that is the question that will go through the landlord's mind. And right. some landlords aren't going to be sold by the idea. And you know many, what else many will.
0: If you're a realtor submitting an offer like that, and the reason I'm bringing this up because I had one recently, I'll give you the story. I got an offer. It was actually one, it may have been one with the fraudulent, it was. It was one. the one I was speaking of earlier with the fake credit report. They The agent, bin, the realtor didn't give me a heads up that this offer was coming in and just submitted the offer. Hmm. And the offer had—I can't remember. I think six payments paid up front. And I'm like, and it was the only offer. There was no other offers. But here's six payments paid up front. I had
1: this discussion with someone yesterday.
0: What? Why? That was my first question. Because the first thing I look at is the offer. Yeah. And then I look at supporting documents. So I'm looking at the offer. It was for ask full asking price. And six payments in advance. And the first thing that came to my mind was, why are you paying me six months in advance? And then I started thinking, uh-oh, here we go. Something's something's a little fishy here. Or something's not, not right. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, the communication of that offer is super important for a realtor. And giving the landlord's realtor a heads up and saying, Hey, got an offer coming into you. A really nice couple, blah, blah, blah. We've got all the paperwork, blah, blah, blah. Super nice uh, family. Uh, here's some photos of the family and the current residents. Look how nice it looks. And um, we know that this place is going to go quickly. We don't want to be in competition. We've been looking for a home just like this. And... They're willing to pay you full asking price, and if it helps them get the place, there they'd be willing to provide you a little bit more security with six months in advance payments or whatever. You you, yeah. you explain the damn thing. Don't just send it and say here's six months in advance because I'm gonna go looking and say. Well, your credit must be crap, or your right. job must or be something's unstated. off here. Something's and I had off. that chat
1: with someone yesterday who's he—he he just wants to pay the whole year up front, and I, I said that's great. Let's hold it in our back pocket, back pocket, and use it if we need to. But sending that initially could be a little bit concerning and raise red flags. Um Certainly, now if if, if, not if you're in properly, a multiple
0: offer situation,
1: different, yeah,
0: it's a different different scenario then you're getting into okay let's pull out all the stops to try and win this lease can i give them more months in advance can i give them more money on the rent um you know what what can i do here to solidify this deal
1: that makes my offer look better than the other offers well there was um a tiktok i saw a little while ago someone in ontario i don't know exactly where but this woman was complaining just like really complaining going off about how it's ridiculous. She can't find a rental, and um, people are asking for additional months deposits, and that's not acceptable. And da da, 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 da. And uh, there's a few things I that was interesting from that. One is her TikTok was a public profile, so you could go on and see everything. And she was quite often dressed very provocatively and ranting and complaining about stuff. And uh social media is being used as a tool to uh, determine whether or not somebody is a qualified tenant they're getting to know you through your social so if you don't you know if if you're posting things that you think a very good point could be perceived in a negative manner or put a, a negative picture of you uh, to a p- potential landlord stop posting for a while make your shut your camp down or put it private, whatever, uh, because people are looking you up. And if they don't like what they're seeing, they're not going to hire you. If you're posting pictures of a hundred pound If you got dog, a
0: video on Insta or TikTok of you laying your fat ass down on the couch, smoking a blunt, eating a bag of Doritos at three o'clock in the morning while you got Tupac blaring in the background, you Tupac. might, I love Tupac. I'm just saying base, you know, the base. Okay. You got some loud music. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I'm a landlord, I'm looking at that video going, oh, that's, that's what you're going to be like as a tenant. So I'm going to have issues from my neighbors because you're playing loud music, smoking blunts at three o'clock in the morning. Okay. Well, this house ain't for you, friend.
1: Yeah. Well, and the other thing was she was complaining about, you know, people ask, there were people asking a lot of things. Some things were, un, like, I would agree, are uh, not acceptable. Like, they were asking, I would have never been able had, to rent a property when I was, like, in my teens. Unfortunately, <laughs> well, the social media <laughs> didn't exist. Would have accepted me. She was, people were asking her if she'd been vaccinated. That's not acceptable. Like, what right. the hell does that matter? Um, Unless maybe it's a basement apartment, I can see why somebody might be concerned. Perhaps, yeah. But are they legally allowed to? No, for sure not. For sure not. But, but the point is, if it's a competitive market, what the fuck nobody's gonna do what you have no choice. Like, stop, stop swearing. We're gonna lose another listing. If if somebody is asking you, and she was complaining about people asking for additional months up front. No, technically they're not allowed to force you to do that. But if you don't agree to it. They're just not going to let you be a tenant. And if they are insisting on it, maybe there's something wrong with your application that's making them concerned, which is causing them to ask for it. So you need to reevaluate, you know, the whole scenario and see why are they asking for this. If it's because there are people out there willing to do it, it may not be allowed by the landlord tenant board, but it may be required to put a deal together. So in this article that started this whole
0: conversation and the topic of this podcast, there was. A quote from somebody that was having difficulty um, renting a renting a home, and the story goes basically that they lost in multiple offers on six or seven homes. I'm sorry and and being represented by a realtor. if you lost out on six or seven leases. Don't blame it on the fact that the rental market is stupid hot or whatever. If you lost on six or seven properties, something is wrong there. Either your paperwork, your credit, your job, you, or your realtor. Something's wrong. There's no way in hell you should ever lose out on six or seven properties in a row on a lease. No. Another not thing happening. she was saying,
1: I think she had a dog and people wouldn't wouldn't hire wouldn't uh, accept her as a tenant because of the dog and she's like that's illegal you can't do that. It's interesting because I read on the landlord tenant board website it's obviously you cannot prevent somebody from having a dog in a rental property. Um and you can and if you have a no pet clause in the offer that clause is null and void, but it did specifically say that they can be biased against that if they know that going into reviewing the application if they know you have a dog that you have a dog or a pet they can consciously say well I don't want this person coming in as a tenant because of the dog and they're allowed to do that so I a have I
0: have never not got my tenants a property because
1: of a pet rare yeah
0: very very rare Very rare. As a landlord, you know, I'm open to any domestic pets, but I'm high, as you know, I'm highly allergic to cats. Would I prefer if we had a tenant that didn't have a cat? Sure. But our most recent, our past tenant had two of these furry monsters that just clogged up my sinuses for days after and the house is carpeted.
1: Yeah. What, are you going to tell me a story? They, I was standing in the kitchen with them before we accepted their offer and they specifically yeah. said they had no pets. That's why I brought it up. Mm. Because clearly, I wouldn't have cared. I wouldn't it have me cared off either. That they lied. A
0: hundred percent. And. You know, I still would have... Here's the difference. I still would have accepted them as a tenant. Yeah. They they were a bit of a pain in the ass, but they were still good tenants, like very high maintenance in terms of questions and emails and phone calls and all that. Fine, whatever. You, you pay us. that's You're allowed to do that. Uh, but the fact that you moved two cats in there and that I'm highly allergic and that the home is carpeted and knowing that a lot of people are allergic to cats, especially, I mean, those cats were certainly fluffy. Um,
1: (laughs) Seems like a funny uh, thing to say.
0: I I probably would have asked them for a couple hundred bucks. Yeah. And like carpet cleaning or we did carpet
1: cleaning and clean the ducks.
0: I think we did that
1: for them when they moved in and for the next person, because it was so bad.
0: Yes. So I would have asked them for a little bit of money to compensate for that because of the cats. That's Absolutely. all.
1: Yeah. That would have been the courteous thing to do uh, from their perspective. But then this so. lady would have been like, oh, you can't ask for that. You can only ask for a secure deposit, which is last month's rent, and a key deposit if at a suitable amount to replace the keys. Well, that's
0: fine. Then I would have said, okay, well, instead of 2700 a month, you just pay us 2750 and we'll call it even. Right. <laughs>
1: People don't there's, know how it works.
0: There's, there's more than one way to skin a cat, as, as a my grandfather cat. would say. Uh, episode one forty one, Katie Confidential, the real estate podcast. Thank you for listening. Send your comments in, and we will use your topics in future episodes. Um, that's it for today.